The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and wonderful to be back with you for uh, yet another week on the Business Elevation Show. And Now last week we had uh, Dory Clark on the show and we talked about standing out. I thought it was a fascinating show about how you can become a recognized expert on your, in your field. But of course, if you stand out, what you have to do is you have to build a reputation. Uh, I was really thrilled this week. Uh, myself and my team, we were delivering uh, work for 70 international MBA students at, at the University of Leicester for their MBA summer school. And we did uh, work, myself and a colleague, last year. I was doing some uh, guest speaking, and this year I did a, a guest speaking slot around the power to get things done, and my colleague John did a couple of days of uh, training around uh, leadership, and another of our team, Tracy, she delivered some work around communication, and the feedback from the client was, uh, was fantastic. Um, they said they'd never, it's so rare to find people who can engage uh, students like that. Um, but what I think we've done over the, the years is we've built a reputation. And I know next year we'll do more things with uh, with that client, but we're building and cementing that reputation to you know a lot of hard work and making sure that we do things well. But if you were asked right now how much your reputation is worth, what would you would you say? You know, it's hard to put a monetary value on it, something that might seem intangible. But if your reputation were damaged or it was ruined, you'd be willing to pay almost anything to get it back. And there's all sorts of high-profile examples uh, like uh, Tiger Woods, for one, and uh, many people like that who I'm sure would pay almost anything to get that reputation back. Uh, now, uh, we, as I say, we're going to talk about reputation uh, with, uh, with uh, my guest today, Mike Mooney. Um, but communicating ideas, shaping both uh, athletes and brand images while building and protecting reputations has been the heart of Mike Mooney's efforts for more than two decades in the motorsports arena. He's launched and led high-profile sponsorships for companies such as Sprint, Walmart, Johnson & Johnson, Mercedes-Benz. And he saw a trend in the early 2000s between how reputations were being managed and the impact of an instantaneously connected global community via social media. He saw a consistent disconnect between two key elements that drive strong reputations, that's values and behavior. And his experiences led him to write Reputation Shift, Five High-Performance Truths to Winning the Reputation Economy, a values-based approach to harnessing the power of reputations for leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone looking to succeed, not only in business but in life. And that book, we're getting a bit of a sneak preview of the content today because that book comes out in the autumn. Um, fascinatingly, Mike is currently Senior Vice President of Business Operations for Rush, Rush Fenway Racing, one of NASCAR's premier racing organizations. Uh, so a very, very exciting uh, sector to be working in. So a huge welcome today to my guest, Mike Mooney. Uh, thank you, Chris. Really appreciate you having me on today. Uh, wonderful, to, wonderful to talk to you, Mike. 
Um, Mike, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by your background and uh, you know, the exciting role that you find yourself in. And I'm, I'm interested, you know, what was your childhood like? And you know, where did this interest for motor racing come from? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great question. Uh, starting back then, you know, it's, it's funny. My dad raced uh, on a local level. I'm originally from uh, New York. And uh, he was a test driver, a great mechanic. And I was the son who consistently handed him the wrong wrench every time he asked. <laughs> you know, so I just honestly figured that wasn't going to be my path, you know. Uh, but, you know, life's pretty ironic. You know, you, you hang around things when you're at a young, impressionable age and to learn about sports. But I was really more interested on the business side of sports. So, uh, you know, as I look back and I think about the times in my dad's shop when his buddies were you know, they're watching the race on TV or, or listening on the radio, talking about some big names like, you know, Dale Earnhardt or Richard Petty, Daryl Waltrip, Rusty Wallace, you know, some of the greats of, of NASCAR. And then I fast forward to my, my 20s and, and 30s, and, and here I am having the opportunity to have worked with some of these legends of the sport. You know, it, it's uh, life's pretty amazing in that, in that sense. And I, I think that uh, and his buddies might think I've done pretty well since then. Actually, could, could you tell us, you know, tell us what, tell us just a little bit about NASCAR because, uh, you know, I've heard of it. I'm obviously British. I live in the UK and we have <laughs> a lot of uh, international listeners to the show. Um, so I apologize to those who are American and do understand NASCAR. But, you know, how is NASCAR distinct from, say, Formula One, which uh, is, is something that I, may, I recognize and, and follow? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, first, the, the easiest way to make that distinction between NASCAR, Formula One, uh, is just the general style of the bodies of the cars. You know, we, we actually have fenders on, on our cars here, Chris, and uh, it, it makes for uh, closer racing competition. You know, we, we race primarily on, uh, on oval uh, tracks, uh, ranging from a half mile to over two and a half miles, whereas Formula One Primarily, uh, the open wheel racers will be on on road courses uh, globally. You know where we're primarily based here in North America. And is that is that oval track? Is is that because it's more you know, enables it to be observed by the spectators in an easier kind of kind of manner? Because you can you know watch them spinning around rather than them disappearing around loops and and bends as in Formula One. Is is it part of the spectacle that it's an oval? It is part of the spectacle, uh, for sure. But also, uh, if you think about the engineering and the physics, uh, our cars have a higher center of gravity, more so than the Formula One cars. So having banked corners allows our cars to carry uh, higher speeds uh, because of the, the force that it puts on our cars to keep them on the ground. So really, it's, it's a bit of the physics and the ability for these guys to, to race. And, and yeah, it is about the promotion and the show as well. And it must be you know, highly dangerous, isn't it, going around at that speed? Because these cars are reaching, what, you know, a couple of hundred miles per hour? Is that correct? Yeah, they, they are. You know, we're, we're reaching speeds over 200 miles an hour, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, 215, 220. But uh, NASCAR has, over the past 15 years, done an amazing job of, of uh, working on the safety components of the sport for the driver. Uh, and how they've changed uh, the the inside, what they call the greenhouse of the car, uh, you know, making more room in there for the driver. There are more safety, uh, you know, harnesses for the heads and, and lap belts. But more importantly, too, around the racetracks, they've uh, instituted what they call safer barriers. Uh, in years past, uh, the walls of, of these tracks were mainly concrete, which they still are. But 
um, you know, several years back, uh, they created these safer barriers that have uh, styrofoam cushions uh, between uh, the, the wall and where the driver would hit. So it actually absorbs a lot of the impact uh, and G-forces that the driver would have normally experienced. So as, as fast as they go and as crazy as it seems, uh, it is very safe. <laughs> so how, how did you get to be senior vice president of one of you know, the premier NASCAR teams? What, what led you to that? Yeah, well, I guess if you hang around any industry for 20-some-odd years, right, you can just keep faking it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, seriously, uh, it, it's something where, I, honestly, I look back and, and I was blessed with some amazing mentors you know, early in my career who took some big bets on me and, and, and allowed me some, some big opportunities to work with some, some very big brands, some of which you mentioned earlier in the intro, and thank you for that. That was very kind of you. But the big brands and big athletes, uh, and, and as you know, I mean, there's no short, shortcuts for hard work. So just, you know, working my tail off uh, day in and day out, uh, it's really, uh, I would say that many people have found in careers that, that path to success. You know, the overnight success that took 20 years to make, that, that story goes, you know. Um, but I'd say, you know, it, it's going to sound cliche. I'll tell you the, the, the career, or the first part of the career story, but my first job and and the motorsports industry was with a public relations agency where I, I literally managed their warehouse. I stuffed media kits. I changed light bulbs, and uh, you know, really looked at that as a as a foot in the door. And a uh, short story that that really stuck with me was uh, one day I was out in, in the warehouse, just uh, going through the area, and this older gentleman came in and uh, he was just observing the warehouse and made a comment, "Hey, it looks really good out here. You're doing a good job." is this what you want to be doing? And I said, well, clearly not. I, I'd like to move up and do more within the sport and public relations, but uh, you have to start somewhere, right? And uh, he kind of smiled and said, well, just keep this in mind. It's not where you start. It's where you end up. Mm. I said, okay, very sage advice. Thank you. Well, later in the day, I was talking with the owner of our agency, and I had mentioned I had met this gentleman back there, and he asked me what he had said, and I, I re recounted the story to him. And my boss kind of chuckled, and he said, well, do you know who that was? <laughs> I said, no, I, I know he's Paul. And he said, well, that's Paul Bafico. Paul, at the time, 15, 20 years ago, said Paul is the president and CEO of Sears Roebuck and Company. And he started his career on the loading docks in Chicago. So listen to what he has to say. Keep working hard. So, you know, it's uh, stories like that and, and people who crossed my path that have been very helpful. I love that. I've probably mentioned this before on shows, but there's, uh, there's, a, there's a quote that I like. I think it was by, by Tony Robbins, and I recall it quite, a, quite often to people, which is you know, people significantly overestimate what they can achieve in a year, but significantly underestimate what they can achieve in 10. So true. Yeah, that is so true. You know, and and that's, that's where you know, the, the, the path picks up. And having had the opportunity like, over those times, 10, 15 years, to see the sport from several different perspectives and disciplines. You know, I've been on the agency side. I've been on the brand side as a sponsor. You know, I'm now with Roush Fenway. I'm on the property side and have been able to work in different areas in public relations, uh, marketing, and, and now operations for, for the team. So, you know, I, I'd say that for me, I'm, I'm always trying to learn, always trying to learn. I've been fortunate to be able to do it in, in this particular industry in motorsports. It's been so much fun. Well, it's great that with you know with a busy job that you you're taking the time out to to write a book. Um, but you know in that in that day, I imagine you've, you you're a busy guy. What, what's a typical day 
like in the life of uh, Mike Mooney, you know, working on operations at uh, Roush Fenway? Yeah, so yeah, thank goodness that there there isn't a typical day, which is great because I, I love change. Uh, I I love uh, that's what I loved about the agency life. You know, you get to work with various clients, mm. and, and that's what we do here. Quite honestly, you know, if you think about the NASCAR season, we have the longest sports schedule in North America. We are we have thirty eight races, so it's thirty eight weekends over fifty two. So it's easy to do the math to see how many off oh. weekends. Oh yeah. Generally, December and January, but we're working just as hard then. But, you know, if, if you look at our race season and what we're doing for partners, we, we actually model our internal teams uh, like an agency. And, and that, that's what I focus a lot of my time around. So I can go from one meeting where we talk about tools and, and power tools and fasteners for one of our partners, Fastenal. You know, the next meeting could be about how we're going to drive the health and wellness message for the diabetes community for our partner, Lily Diabetes. You know, another meeting can be about a retail consumer activation plan for Sunny D, which is another one of our sponsors. So, you know, I spent a lot of my time um, working on partner uh, programs for, for the, their brands and, and how we can make those brands stronger, more competitive through the association with our team in NASCAR. And then I focus a lot on the the Roush Fenway Racing brand itself too. How are we enhancing and and building that brand as well? Ah, that, that, that leads very nicely because you know reputation is clearly important for your brand. And you know, is that what got you interested in reputation? Um, is it, you know, where's this interest in this particular subject come from? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and it's true. It, it kind of found me in a way, uh, which, uh, you know, working for the agencies or brands uh, from NASCAR to IndyCar, drag racing, offshore power, powerboat racing, and, and working on, you know, communication strategies, crisis plans, speaking points, you know, prepping and coaching the executives and drivers, you know, all, all those years, I was really becoming a student of reputation, of how to build them, protect them, shape them. You know, in, in our world in motorsports and what we do with brands and sponsorships, it, it's about associating the, this relationship between the brand and the athlete. And, and behavior and reputations are such critical linkage points in in that relationship. Mm-hmm. So, so how would you define it? Do you have a definition for reputation? Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh I do and I don't, right? You know, Webster has their definition. It's very well thought out and very academic. You know, I, I try to look at things a little more practical. Uh, so here's how, here's how I approach that definition or how I look at reputations. Your reputation speaks for you when you aren't there to speak for yourself. Mm. You know, and that's, that's really been the, the basis of how I've approached reputation management from a personal standpoint, you know, because there's this corporate brand reputation, but now I'm really thinking about the personal side of things. And the interesting thing, Chris, I found like over the years, you know, whenever we would do a debrief on, on a, a crisis situation, uh, you know, uh, or whether it be ours or someone else's or what have you, you know, this kept popping up with me that, you know, it could have been avoided if a different decision had been made, you know, and, and more often than not, it seemed as though you know the person who was at the center of, of the the issue had like taken their own gun out of their own holster, aimed it at their foot, and pulled the trigger. You know, and and we see this in the news, right? We see it with politicians, mm. see it with executives. Um, hey, 
Ryan Lochte. Does that strike a chord? You know, the, the Olympic swimmer over here. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's uh, more, more often than not, Chris, these reputation challenges have been self-inflicted. And that's really what, what stood out to me. And, and as again, as I thought about how you look at reputations, that phrase of it's speaking for you when you aren't there to speak for yourself, I, I believe resonates. And it's, you know, it's a great example in here. And you know, somebody with 12 gold medal, Olympic gold medals, you know, must have been a, an American hero. And how quickly he you know, damaged his reputation. You know. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, not only his, but you know, there's the halo effect of, of those who are associated with him, mm. which is why you saw in one day all four of his uh, you know, personal services uh, endorsers uh, drop him. Yeah, you know, he lost close to the estimates are close to a million dollars in in uh, in revenue and endorsement deals because brands did not want to be associated with him and that reputation for fear of how it would how it would you know rub off on them. Yeah, they're looking for you know brand I guess brands that give them a leg up as opposed to a leg down, aren't they? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So you know the, the irony is, you know he won in Rio, but he lost back home in America. And it's going to take him a long time to, to get past that, quite honestly. Well, the truth is we'd, we'd never actually really heard of him, particularly over here. Uh, and he wasn't a, someone with a household name, but he's somebody we know of now. Uh, absolutely. So absolutely. We, you know, quick. Right, well, we're going to commercial break now. But after the break, we're going to come back. We're going to find out, talk about, uh, about Mike's book and some of the key uh, takeouts. There's a wonderful quote in there by Morton Albeck, which I want him to share with us. And uh, we'll look at... Uh, We'll look at things like you know what to do when you're facing a potential disaster, um, PR-wise, reputation-wise, and uh, something called one degree of behaviour. So we'll be back with you again in a couple of minutes. Do do stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realise your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You 
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. And with Mike Mooney, we're talking about reputation. And Mike, your book is coming out in the autumn um, on reputation. Um, but what made you decide to write about it and make the point that it's uh, time for a shift in how we perceive it? Yeah, you know, Chris, this is a uh, topic of reputations uh, isn't a new one, right? I mean, uh, that's something that's just recently popped up. It's been talked about since the, the biblical days, and Roman authors and even Socrates talked about the power and value and impact of, of personal reputations. And social media channels, I mean, they have radically shifted our connectivity and, and ability to change perception for good or for bad. So back in like the mid-2000s, uh, actually it's funny to think about when this is when message boards were the big thing. This is when Twitter and Facebook were really just emerging. Uh, there was this just really revolutionary shift in the connection between people, and there was a conversation that was starting to happen, right, between the branding and consumer, which really fascinated me. Because if you think about it, historically, brands talked at consumers, right? It was a one-way sort of monologue. But as social media began to rise, the brands had to start talking with consumers. It really did become a conversation. And there was really a power shift in the relationship. And for me in the communications field and other communications experts, it really threw us for a loop because it completely changed our crisis management plans, how we approached it. Uh, from the traditional standpoint, you know, we now found ourselves talking to individuals who had voices and, and social followings instead of just speaking to the masses versus, you know, through traditional media channels. So, you know, it, it really came down to uh, how we looked at relationships and, when you take a step back, it comes down to people, right? Regardless if you were the corporation as a, an executive uh, or an individual entrepreneur, it's, it's our actions and our decisions, you know, what we say, what we don't say, that really makes the impact. So I started to look at how personal reputation management is approached. And, you know, today the majority of, of that work is built around search engine optimization, Right? Let's work with you to bury the bad stuff. Let's get that to page two or three on the Google search uh, page, you know, because we know statistically you know, more than 80% of people aren't going to click beyond the first page. Right? But when you, when you look at the personal impact and, and the, the situation of, of reputation management, SEO doesn't get to the root of the issue. Right? It doesn't prompt the, why did this happen? And, you know, I've experienced firsthand through my career the impact of reputation attacks, and, and that's where I started looking back at these experiences I've had, these stories and examples that I really believe would drive home, you know, the message uh, and the value of, of looking at our reputations in, in a more proactive and, and value-based way. Mm. Now, I, I read in your you very kindly sent me some chapters to your book, and I read in there a lovely quote. It was uh, by Morton Albach, and I just thought it might be worthwhile sharing it because it, it just uh, resonated with me somehow. 
Yeah, absolutely. I found this. This is a really great quote, and I'm glad you brought that up. I found this in a in a Forbes article that is actually written about the reputation economy. And here's what Morton said: Today we serve two and only two masters: revenue and reputation. The trick is to position your brand and build your reputation in the sweet spot between capitalism and humanism. What do you think about that, Chris? I, I think it's a great, great quote, and I think it's uh, you know I like that link between you know capitalism and humanism because it you know, there's a lot of people today thinking about things like you know sustainability, you know how you know how they how good well they come across to their employees and how well they take care of their employees. So people are interested in these things and attracted to whether they buy products from companies based on it, and uh, I just think you know finding that sweet spot, but it's also I guess it's got to be an authentic sweet spot, hasn't it? Not an engineered one. Well, it has to be. It has to be authentic. And, and the idea that these aren't two disconnected thoughts of business, revenue, reputations, you know? Uh, you know, Chris, let, let me ask you this, because speaking of, of that and revenue and, and reputation, something in, in your world, right? I, I would have to imagine your reputation is important to you. Uh, and, and, and one of the ways it probably pays off would, would be, you know, referrals, right? Yeah. As, as you're trying to help leaders, um, to you know, get more things done. So, I mean, how important are referrals to you in your business? Uh, it's inc- it's incredibly important. It you know makes all the difference in the world. Um, I have had a lovely situation recently where I was with uh, in, in, invited to something, and there was a very interesting organisation that uh, I could see we could have a synergy with. And incredibly, um, there was uh, there were two other people who'd worked with me. Who uh, I know this guy had already had one referral about me, but there was two other people who'd worked with me in the room, happened to be in a conversation with him, and they both decided to refer me to him at the same time. And, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and it was wonderful. So I had three, I had three people, um, one I'd worked with for five years, and these two other people who were highly respected. And um, you know, as a consequence, we are embarking on a great uh, venture together at the moment. Um, that's come down from reputation so it's everything really when you know in a marketplace where there may be quite a lot of you know competitors who are doing you know learning development type programs and engagement programs and team development and training actually your reputation is essential absolutely and and you hit it on the head right there chris where think about the the opportunities that just came your way right i mean the, the phone call you get from somebody who says Hey Chris, um, I need somebody for you know you know the, this speaking opportunity. What do you think? You know, and and the beauty of it is, in that case, because of your reputation, you're getting those calls. You know what's coming your way. But if you don't have a good reputation, if you don't have any idea of of where where that is, how many opportunities are you missing? Mm. Right. I mean, that's something that is hard to know because you, you'll never know. People won't won't refer you. So, so let's flip the question on this again and say, so Chris, have you ever been asked to refer somebody? Has someone called you and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to, to fill this role or this job. Can you help me out? Yes, I have. And, and what goes through your mind when you're going through that mental Rolodex of, of, of people? Well, uh, it, was very, it was very interesting. There was a, uh, I don't mind sharing this, there was, there was one um, to, to do with this show, actually, uh, it was it was uh, so it was an area, and I knew a couple of people who'd been on the show who had uh, who had well, you know could have done this piece of work, um, but there was there was one maybe the natural choice who actually hadn't been quite as uh, well. He 
he'd, he'd not thanked me for being on the show, and I don't, I'm not used to that. And he'd uh, he, he hadn't followed up on um, some of the people who'd followed in um, to ask about the, about. Um, for, he hadn't. Who had, he'd asked to link in with him afterwards. He'd not followed up with them as he'd promised on the show. And so, mm-hmm. of course, you know, who do I go and refer to? I refer to the other one. Yeah. Um, so you know, he lost that work, and in his little bit, you know, when I see him, there's a little bit of a cloud over the way that I perceive him as a consequence of the way that he behaved. Absolutely, and and, and again, you know, reputations are built in our day-to-day. It, it's not, you know, sometimes people think it's in a defining moment, right, in, in those Hollywood scenes where everybody's watching and, and it comes down to the wire or the buzzer. No, it, it's in our everyday. It's in the things that we say or don't say. It's in our follow-up, like you just pointed out there. All those actions, the behavior, over time, all all add up. You know, and, and that's, the, that's the idea here, Chris, is for leaders and Entrepreneurs, you know, any, anyone who's looking to, you know, I- improve themselves, quite honestly, is helping, helping them develop the awareness and strategies for building and protecting their greatest asset. You know, I mean, it, it's, our reputations are working for us even when you don't know it, whether, like I said, it's for opportunities or perhaps second chances, right? I mean, we're all human, too. I, I don't want to sound like, like we're up on pedestals here. You know, we're all human and make mistakes. And, again, that's where your reputation can give you that mulligan or that hall pass and say, you know, that, that's kind of out of character for Chris. I'm going to, something else must be going on right, right now. I'm going to give him another shot. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I think you, you were, in your said definition earlier, um, you, I forget what you said exactly, but the, the definition I've always had around reputation is you know, what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. Yes. And, you know, you do, you, you know, you do, if you have someone you're not quite sure about, you maybe talk to others or, or you want to find out uh, more about them. But I think also with somebody who's got a very strong reputation is when they say something, you give them a premium, don't you? You listen to that more intently, whereas somebody who doesn't have such a good reputation, you're going to discount uh, some of what they say. You will. You will. Absolutely. Because there's credibility that, that comes along with having a, a strong reputation. You know, and, and the, the other point that, that I'd make too, Chris, you know, think about this is, you know, when, when you're referring somebody to somebody else, you're putting your reputation on the line too, mm. right? Think about mm. that. I mean, and that's why we've got to be careful too with who we refer and really, really think about that and how it reflects on us. Because if you, if you refer a dud to someone, that person may not come back to you a second time to ask for a referral. I, I probably wouldn't, but if you send them a rock star, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook. Hey, can you get me someone else like this because of, of now your reputation? Absolutely. I had a lovely situation this week, actually. It's, it was a bit cheeky of me, but uh, <laughs> I, I was asked to speak. I was asked to speak at an event, and I, I, I said I would do it. And then I found out that Leicester were playing Arsenal in the first game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I was promising to take my son and someone else else to them, and uh, it was going to be okay. But they changed because of Sky. They changed the time, and I said to the client, "Look, you know, is there any chance that I could maybe move to another night?" And I explained the reason. We had a bit of a laugh about it, and they sort of said, "You know, sorry, that can't happen." But then a change happened. Someone dropped out on on the Monday evening uh, at this week event, and they said they rang me up and said, "Look, you know, could you would you fancy moving to Monday?" Um, but but it does leave us with a problem on Saturday. So I said, "No problem." What are you looking for? I'll find you somebody great for Saturday. And I found them somebody great for Saturday. They did a fantastic job. 
um, I did a, a, a great job and another colleague did a great job. And actually what it did, it, it's built the reputation even more. Yeah. Uh, and I got to go to the football. So it was um, a win-win for everybody, really. That's a win all around. That, that's fantastic. Yeah. But again, a, a great example there, you know, of, of how you serving somebody else but doing it with care and sending them the right person is only strengthening your resource. Now, uh, I'm sorry, your, your reputation, but not only perhaps as a speaker, but, but as a resource, as a credible source for help and information. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we'll do as a consequence of that is we'll do a lot more for, of that for them next year, helping them source for their events um, as a consequence. Absolutely. So it's, it's been great. But, yeah, you put, you put people forward who um, will enhance the reputation and, you know, if they can do a better job than you, that's great. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Not less. So t- tell me, when I read, some, I read in the, the, the chapters of the book, um, you talked about one degree of behavior, and I think that's worthwhile just exploring for a moment. What's that about? Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I am really big on, on visuals, uh, Chris, you know, and, and coming up with just some, some ways to, to illustrate the, the, the story and the idea. I, I, love, I love things like that. And for me, you know, the one degree uh, story is, is one that focuses around the compass. Right, so I mean, in my opinion, the compass is one of the greatest inventions that mankind has ever created. Right, I mean, for centuries it was the it was the, the tool and lifeblood of, of explorers and trailblazers, you know, who were setting off for new adventures and meeting new people. So, I, I took a step back and said, okay, let, let's imagine you're heading out on the trip, and and you've charted your course on your map. You have your compass in hand. You're ready to go, but there's one problem you suddenly realize that you're one degree off the proper heading of where you're supposed to be going. So if you think about it, one degree doesn't sound like a big deal, right? You know, it's just a little off course. You're not heading in the completely wrong direction, right? Mm. But the impact of that, by being off one degree over a short period of time, uh, is something that won't completely ruin the trip. I mean, realistically, and I've done the math on this, that, you know, if, if you were to walk for one mile at one degree off your plotted course, you'll end up roughly 92 feet away from your location. It's not too bad. 92 feet, you can still see, you know, basically where you need to be. You can reset the map. You can get back on your trip. It's, it's an easy reset. But that is a, the, the, this idea there is it's a short-term perspective because it has an easy solution, right? Short period of time, one small mistake, I can easily correct it. So let's shift gears for a second. Think about if you were going on a longer trip, right? Now, now there are bigger implications, right? So the example I use in the book, uh, and for those in, in, in the States here, uh, you know, I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. So if I were to fly from Charlotte to Los Angeles and I'm one degree off on that trip, coast to coast, suddenly I'm nearly 50 miles away from... LAX. I'm not even in the same zip code. I am way off course. I have no idea where I am. I've got to really work and hustle hard to get back to where I need to be. And for me, when I heard that story of, of, of the one degree and, and, and thought through it for reputations, you know, it, it really made me look at how a decision or act, you know, that might be one degree off may not hurt us in the short term, but over time, if you continue on that course and you continue in the vein of, of the action and behavior, you're not going to end up anywhere close to where you thought you'd be in life or, more importantly, with what your reputation should be. So it's really about looking at your, 
your reputation and the things that we do on a daily basis from a long-term perspective. Like you mentioned earlier, right, of the Tony Robbins quote was fantastic. You know, you, uh, the, the 10-year view, we have to look at things in a, in a long-term view, which is kind of tough for us these days because we're so used to, you know, instant gratification and, and uh, short-term bursts of, of, of movement and decisions. I just think it, what came to mind for me was uh, an example of somebody I know who uh, uh, they established a reputation for being the last person to to buy at the bar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> you can always rely on them to, to be, oh, not, just not quite around for him to uh, have to buy. And uh, so we got a reputation, even though he probably didn't know it, for being a bit tight. And I yeah. think, uh, you know, over time, we're surprised when he wasn't getting invited out quite so often but and didn't really understand why and and i suppose that's like a it builds up over time it's it's just a, sh- a slight different behavior flaw but it makes a difference in the long run well it does and and it's funny because it wasn't just one i'm sure in your group of of uh of friends it wasn't just one person who noticed it right i mean yeah. it was probably the group of you and if and, and at some point it was probably a topic of conversation now fortunately mm-hmm. that's among friends right now what what if that's happening in the workplace, what if that's help happening, you know, um, in in other areas where where you're where you're working? Um, th- there could be larger implications than not being asked out for uh, for drinks with, with with the guys, which which is still a you know, that that's kind of a black card too. You you, you don't want to miss out on that. I've <laughs> probably got one or two friends now are listening and thinking, um, is he talking about me? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And then you say, maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> right, so hopefully I get a flurry of drinks the next time I go out. When, and, um, and say, hey, you know what, we're, we're going to switch this around. Whoever was going to buy last will buy first this time. <laughs> right, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, I want to know, you know from you, Mike, uh, what do you do when you're facing a potential disaster? So we'll be back with you all again in just a couple of minutes. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. I'm with Mike Mooney. We're talking about reputation. And if you've got any questions or comments about the show, do feel free to email me. I'd love to hear from uh, from people and get and get feedback and that sort of thing. Um, so, um, Mike, um, when facing a potential reputation disaster, um, what are the things we should look at to uh, avert it? Sure. So, in, in the book, I've got a pretty pretty comprehensive step by step on on building that plan uh, and, and, and how you repair. But I'd like to take a different look at it for a second. This is a more introspective and proactive look, which is really in the tone and the mindset of how I've written this. And I'd love people, your listeners, to, to start thinking about reputations and, and approaching that. So the first thing I would say is this. If you're, if you're facing some type of, of you know, reputation question or disaster, the first thing I'd ask you to do is have you honestly identified the root cause of the issue? Have you taken a look inside to figure out what is, what's the cause of this? What happened? Because if you're in denial about your actions, you'll truly never address the issue and whatever the issue is. You know, Chris, have you been in the carnival and they've got that game called Whack-A-Mole? Have you ever played yeah. that game where you get the hammer? Yeah. And the little head keeps popping up and you keep smacking it down, but it keeps popping up somewhere else. That's what's going to happen. If you're not addressing the root issue or cause of what's happened, it's going to be like a game of whack-a-mole. You know? So you've got to take that time to think about it. And I'm sure we can think of people who we know like that. It just seems like they're constantly, oh, they did that again. Oh, yeah, that happened again. Not surprising with that person, right? Um, so that's something to really take, take uh, stock in. The second thing I would recommend is, is think about how quickly you move past your emotions to get to the plan, right? It's, it's human nature to be upset when people are criticizing you or saying things about you that, that uh, are, are either unfair, untrue, or maybe they are fair or true, but it's, it's still, you know, emotional nonetheless, right? I mean, you, you go through the round of questions, why me, you know, how'd this happen, you know, th- this, this person's out to get me, all, all fair points in that moment. But if we stew on those, it really drains precious energy and time to get to work. And from my experience, Chris, when it comes to dealing with crisis situations, time is the one thing you will never, ever get back, ever get back. So you, you really have to think about, okay, I'm going I'm to move past the emotion and get working on my plan. Yeah. I'm thinking about things like, um, I remember, I think it was, it was a Virgin train crash and, you know, Richard Branson or incident and Richard Branson was there within several hours you know at the scene and talking about it he was straight on to the onto the issue um, absolutely and, and and that's key that's key I mean yeah, emotions play a role but yeah. you got to get to the plan the the third part I would say is getting back to being you know real honest with yourself is what is being said about me true yeah right I mean if it's not then be mindful of how much energy you spend refuting these accusations versus just continuing to let your actions speak for yourself. Yes, yes. You know? Is this book also um, addressing sort of marriage guidance as well? Mar- 
<laughs> marriage guidance. Yeah, you know that that's uh, it could certainly be read for that also. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so that, that to me, those are the key things. You know, you, you've really got to identify the root cause of the issue. Think about how quickly you move past your emotions and get to a plan, and then you know, assess is, is what's being said about me true or not, and that'll help you. You know, look at how much time and energy and effort you need to spend on this. Now, you also you also say there's an equation for reputation, and what's that? Yeah, so that's uh, you know, for, for me being communications, most people in the communications field were horrible in math. Right, I'm going to make a blanket generalization on that, but but speak for myself. So um, as I started digging into uh, you know my, my experiences and and looking at where that breakdown occurred. It was really at the crossroads of decisions and behavior. Think about that intersection, decisions and behavior. And I started thinking through that and looking at these examples and going through case studies, and I figured out in most cases the missing link were our values, yeah. our personal values. Very yeah. simple. right? I mean, they ground us. They guide us. So what I did, I developed this sort of visual equation. Uh, that starts with, with our values, and it goes like this. Our values guide our decisions. Our decisions guide our behavior. Our consistent behavior over time becomes our reputation. So mm-hmm. values plus decisions plus behavior plus time equal reputation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you've, got to be, yeah, you've got to be in this for the long haul. Yeah, you know, I mean, it really, that, that's, those are the foundation for building and protecting your reputation. But, again, you know, we've got to take the time to sit back and think about what do we really value? What is it as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as someone that's trying to, to, to get better, you know, personally? Like, what is important to me? What do, I, what do I stand for? And keep that front and center. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, yes, if you... Uh, if you say one thing, but your your behaviour um, suggests another, uh, that impacts your reputation, doesn't it? It, it does, and, and that's really where the breakdown occurs, Chris. When there's a a disconnect between what we say and what we do. You know, I, I had a uh, a mentor tell me uh, years back, and, and and I love this quote. Is uh, he said, when you're trying to change anything, when you're instituting change, I don't care if it's culture, I don't care if it's with your reputation, whatever. People are going to watch your feet, not your mouth. Yeah. So think yeah. about what you're doing versus what you're saying, because it's easy to say you're going to change, but are you are you really walking the walk? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's again I quote this quite regularly in the spe- a quote I got out the speed of trust that I really like is that people judge themselves based on their intentions, but others will judge them on their behaviour. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's uh, very true, and isn't it? You know that gap, that dis- that disconnect. And and if if you you know you think back um, to the examples we see in the media with politicians or athletes or other things, and there really you know there was an opportunity for there to be a different outcome if people had stopped and really thought about what was important, not the short term gain for shareholders or their own personal benefit. Right, that gets back to the one degree. Of behavior, but over the long haul of, you know, thinking through the values and really staying true to them. And that might sound very, you know, um, high and mighty, but I really believe if you look out there today, 
we could all benefit from digging in deeper with our values and, and, and living those out. Mm, mm. Um, you also talk about visualizing your own instant replay. What's, what do you mean by that? Yeah. All right, so, so Chris, let me ask you, what, I, I sort of know the answer to this, but what, what is your favorite sport? Um, well, I would say these days it's football. Okay. So when you're watching football, uh, different from American football, clearly, uh, and you're watching on TV and there's a really close play, what, what typically happens on TV when, when they, when they uh, want to look at that, that close play again? Oh, so when they recap, do you mean? What do you, what do you mean? Do you mean there's been a... So there's been a close play. They want to, there's a questionable call. They're going to look at it from a couple of different perspectives, right? Right. They're going to pull I mean, in the instant actually, replay. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, that doesn't really occur in soccer, uh, in, 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 our, in our football. It should do. But the referee, makes the, the referee makes the decision. It doesn't go to a TV screen or anything like that. Um, in rugby, it would do. Um, we'd, we'd, we'd often like that to occur, like the, uh, the penalty we didn't get against, Ar- against Arsenal last week. <laughs> I see. <laughs> but, uh, they were, well, that could have been a benefit, right? So yeah. the, the, the beauty of the instant replay, at least, okay, so for here in, in, uh, in our sports, is it's the chance to look at the same play from multiple angles, right? Yeah. You're showing different yeah. perspectives. And in NASCAR, you know, it's one of those rare sports where, you know, drivers can be in a wreck or an accident, they get out of the car, and there's a microphone in their face. And the media is looking for an instant reaction to what happened out there. And, and for years, um, you know, the, the microphone will be shoved in, in the, uh, the driver's face. He's all angry and ticked off about what happened. And he would just start acting based on what he saw or what he thought happened. An interesting thing happened or occurred a few years back where the TV crews started bringing small TV monitors with them. And when they would ask the driver what happened, they would actually show them an instant replay from a couple of different angles. And it was, the response, Chris, was pretty amazing because the driver actually stopped, reflected, and said in more cases than not would say, oh, I didn't realize that happened ahead of that driver, or I didn't realize that happened behind this person, and it changed the outcome of their behavior. It completely, completely changed the way that they looked at the situation and how they approached their next steps. So I got to thinking, what if we did the same thing? What if we applied that thought process of visualizing our own instant replay, looking at what we are going to do when we're making significant decisions, and looked at it from different perspectives, took a time, a moment to stop and think, how would it look from this side or that side, personally, professionally, for my faith, for my family? How would that look? And is it something that I want to pursue and keep doing, or would I act differently? I think Ryan Lochte, if he had a chance to you know, think back and visualize the instant replay of the dollars he lost and you know, the, uh, the embarrassment and the damage to his reputation, he might have thought differently. Yeah, it's really important that is to you get the emotion, and it might not might not be good judgment, which can occur immediately after the event, and, right. and you see that all the time. And I think sometimes the with that immediate microphone in the face of a sports personality, uh, either the media kind of want to capture those things, and the next thing it's all over the media, isn't it? He said this about so and so, or and then that caused further upset and uh, absolutely uh, anger, and it spirals and. Uh, but they like the media kind of likes that. It's, uh, well, they, they do. 
they do, but let, let's shift gears and think about what we see on social media these days, where, where people like you and me or, or, or others that are trying to, you know, uh, develop a, a, their career are putting things on social media uh, that are, are keeping them from opportunities, or in some cases they're losing their jobs. You know, in other cases, you know, there's a, there's a, a study out there that, you know, more than 90% of uh, human resources recruiters are checking applicants, you know, uh, social media channels, and after they check it, more than one-third of those candidates are dropped by what's found on there. Yes, yes. Right, so again, it, it's how it's causing real and significant opportunity loss to income, career, promotions, what have you, based on, on our actions. So again, you know, it, it's something to think about. I'm trying to, throughout the book, come up with and deliver some messages and stories and perspectives that people can use on a daily basis. Yes, well, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting book from the segments that I've read. I, I thought it was a fascinating read, and I think you can in, you know, interweave that with the, um, some of this great experience you've got of NASCAR. It's going to be you know, really, really um, interesting. And I just wonder if you've got any final messages that you'd like to leave us with. Yeah, you know, I'd say keep in mind that you know, our reputations are, are evolving, right? They're always works in progress, and, and I'd emphasize the work in progress, you know? Uh, so I, I'd say that, you know, the final thought I, I, I would say is, again, getting back to that definition earlier, that, you know, your reputation speaks for you when you aren't there to speak for yourself. So I'd ask, you know, you and maybe your listeners, you know, what is your reputation saying about you? And what can you do today to enhance and strengthen it? Yeah. It's a great uh, message to leave us with. Look, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Uh, I think uh, that you're a great guy, and I think you've got some great value to add to people. And uh, I wish you every success with the launch of the new book. Chris, thank you so much for having me on the show. Honestly, you've been, uh, you've been a gracious host, and uh, it's been a, a fantastic conversation. Thank you. You're very welcome. And Mike, is there anywhere that people can go to find out more about what you do and your, your work? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can go to uh, MikeMooney.com uh, for my website there. You can get some uh, of my blog and some other information. You can download a free chapter of the book uh, before it comes out. And then uh, I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, at Mike underscore Mooney. And LinkedIn. Yes. You can get me on there, too. Excellent. Well, I'm sure to, sure to connect, connect with Mike. And uh, thank you, Mike. And on next week's show, we have uh, Elizabeth Finberg Hearn. And uh, Elizabeth is from uh, Stockholm in Sweden, which is great because that's where I've just been for my holidays, actually. So we'll be having a little chat about Sweden. But she is an expert on sustainability. And we're going to talk about uh, uh, becoming a sustainable leader and how you do that. So do join us again next week. Once again, a huge thank you to Mike Mooney. And I wish you all a tremendous week with uh, whatever you're doing this week. Thank you. Lovely. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.